listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast with your host, Andy Plymer. Bringing you up-to-date coaching concepts from the world of rugby. Sharing ideas to make the game better. G'day coaches, my online course Evolve Rugby is out. This course is based on the reoccurring lessons and themes that have come up in over 100 interviews of running this podcast. The online course contains video modules, worksheets and a reflective journal and it's just what every coach needs for pre-season planning, mid-season review or post-season reflection. Check out Evolve Rugby via the link in the show notes and use the promo code TRCCP10 to get your 10% discount. Now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 112 of the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. I'm your host, Andy Plymer, and joining me today is Craig Wilson. Craig is the Director of Rugby at Yale University and also the creator of the YouTube channel titled The Contact Coach. From England originally, he's had coaching roles in Hong Kong, India, and now the United States, and it's a pleasure to have him on the show. So welcome, Craig. Thanks for having me, Andy. Really excited to be here, mate. Yeah, yeah, great to have you on. Um, love, love some of the stuff you're putting out on on YouTube, and uh, um, I'm sure coaches are getting a, a massive amount out of it. How's it been? Yeah, good. I appreciate that. First of all, thank you. Uh, look, I enjoy I enjoy creating the the videos, the analysis videos on on YouTube and instagram and linkedin as well so no i just enjoy putting them out there seeing what other coaches see interacting with them and yeah just kind of building the network from there so yeah really enjoyable and uh i'm glad you like them too yeah awesome yeah and we'll we'll dive into that later in the interview but um first things first how how did you first get into rugby what was your what was your story like there and your first introductions and the journey yeah, well, I was a I was a kid with way too much energy, um, and I remember um, it was at five years old. My my mum dragged me kicking and screaming to the local rugby club, Oakham Rugby Club. It's called back in a, a small little county called Rutland um, in England. Yeah, I went kicking and screaming. Um, didn't want to go. I was pretty shy as a kid. Uh, didn't really want to go. But as soon as I I got there and I got run, running around and got stuck in and got a can of coke and a chocolate bar at the end of the at the end of the session. That was uh, that was the winner for making sure I came back uh, next week. But I was always up to sports. My parents, my mum and dad, were always taking me around to different uh, different sports, predominantly football, um, soccer for those in the US and and rugby. Uh, and that was really the story at five years old and. I didn't leave that rugby club until about 18 years old. It was a fundamental part of my life. So, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm glad she took me there. It was the best decision I think she made, definitely on my on my behalf. So, yeah, very happy about that. Yeah, yeah, it's a, those those little community clubs are so important. Like you, you, you hear a little bit of lip service sometimes paid to how important grassroots rugby is, but it's it's absolutely crucial and vital for the survival of the game and and the growth of the game and not not really survival i don't want to be too dramatic but the growth of the game and that it's continually yeah uh, blooming so you know it sounds like that club was similar oh it was great and i i absolutely loved it and it wasn't just a uh it wasn't just a rugby it was a as you mentioned earlier it was a community uh 
just really built around the town. I mean, it's a small town. Everyone looks looks to the rugby club. Um, you go there for your socials, for your for all your events, and and even though I was playing, my mum and dad built a community out of it as well, meeting all the other parents, and they made lifelong friends uh, through that rugby club. Even when we all moved away, it was the focal point um of the environment and yeah they they definitely need to be preserved and kept because they're special places in in the community for sure yeah awesome all right and what what about coaching what what was your first experiences like there how did you first get into it and some of the yeah so i was building uh, yeah first started as a so i was i was playing and i was hanging around a few of the academies like leicester and northampton saints academies so doing all right i was always in and around good environments without making that final step up to to anywhere professionally and then I was in Scotland and I was playing for a, a premiership team there called Harriets in Edinburgh which I I absolutely love brilliant brilliant club great history and I was about it was I would have been about 19 20 and I realized I really wanted to keep my my livelihood in rugby and it wasn't mm. necessarily going to be playing because there's a lot of things that have to fall into place there but I knew I knew the game probably better than my body could take me to a professional level. So that's when I did my my level one at Curry Rugby Club, which is just a, just outside of, of Edinburgh. I did my level one there just over the summer one year. It would have been back in what, 06, maybe 07. Um, and absolutely loved it. I really enjoyed the, the coaching, but also how you set up an environment, not necessarily the the X's and O's of rugby that kind of came later, but it's how you structure an environment, how you keep people engaged, mm. etc. And it was just yeah. a wonderful um, introduction to, to coaching. So it was a level one through the Scottish rugby union whilst I was playing in Edinburgh. And, and I remember I just try to coach as much as I can. And I had my, I had my level one and my girlfriend at the time, now wife, thankfully, she got a, an offer after working at, after studying at university to go and work in Hong Kong. And I, I knew a good thing when I had it. So I, I cold called everything, everyone and everything in, in Hong Kong um, saying, look, I've just done my level one. I'm, I'm a bit of a player as well. Um, any opportunities? And I got an email back from, a guy called Robbie McRobbie. Now <laughs> I thought someone was winding Sketchy. me up. Yeah. I thought someone, <laughs> I was like, I told a couple of my mates, I emailed Hong Kong rugby and then I thought they were giving me one of those spoof emails back. But it turns <laughs> out Robbie McRobbie is a real guy and he's one of the, Legit. yeah, one of the great guys as well. He's now the CEO of Hong Kong rugby and he just got in touch saying, well, actually there is a team in Hong Kong. They're called the Nomads Rugby Club. Um, and they are looking to build up from division four all the way up to, to as high as they can get essentially, but <laughs> they didn't necessarily have the funds for a, uh, a highbrow coach, you know, so <laughs> it, the timing It'll was do. very much right for me, um, as a level one guy coming out to play a bit and yeah, got on the plane. I had a very much of a philosophy of like, I could always get a return trip home and I could be exactly where I started. So I took the opportunity um, and eventually made my way out to Hong Kong and I spent a very fun and somewhat successful seven years there. So yeah, that's how I got into coaching. Awesome. Hi coaches. In January, I had the opportunity to go on the Crusaders Coaching Leadership Program. And let me tell you, it was awesome. The videos from Robbie Deans, Razor Robertson, Kieran Reed, and Sam Whitelock were like binging your favorite Netflix show. And the other coaches were amazing as well. There are 127 of us from 15 different countries. 
And the best part is, it's all online, so you can work it around your busy schedule. Highly recommend this course. If you get the chance, check it out at crusaderscoaching.com. Now back to the show. Yeah, so what I, what was really interesting and certainly something I look back on at the time, it was tough, but right now it was probably the best coaching experience for me. I was, uh, so as a player coach at Division 4 level, it was absolutely fine because I, I could hold my own play in and my my rugby knowledge was was probably a bit more robust. But as we started to go up the up the leagues and when we made it to the premiership, first of all, player coaching is is difficult because I I felt like I was doing none very well. I was concentrating on coaching I and I was totally concentrating <laughs> Yeah, and bearing in mind this is all at 23 years old, you know. Yeah, so yeah. I, I I really didn't didn't know a lot. And then when you start to get challenged and, and rightly so, I probably didn't take it like that at the time mm-hmm. when you were being challenged by your peers or someone who is younger than you, uh, but who's probably better than you and has more experience and, and is probably not afraid to, to let you know that's really was difficult to take because again, you weren't playing well, then you've been really challenged as a coach. And so I used to go back home after training sessions. It was tough. I used to speak to to my wife, Evelyn, the girlfriend at the time. I was like, this is brutal. Like I'm not, I'm not having fun um, at all. Uh, Cause I felt like I was just doing none right. And what, what I soon realized that the experience, although it was pretty rough, it was invaluable because it made me, provide one rationale for what I was doing and what we were doing and what we were trying to achieve and Mm. soon and also I dropped the ego a lot more and started asking for more help and from these players were getting them to buy in um and it it probably wasn't a really deliberate decision at the time it was a bit more how is this going to make my life a little bit easier in hindsight looking back on it it was it was wonderful because now all of a sudden I had to be very much more robust in what I do and have rationale and clarity as to why we want to achieve it. But then the key point is that you had collaboration from, from the players and they Mm. had ownership and it, and it changed absolutely everything. We went on, we weren't expected to, to win a game at all. I remember we won four games that first year and we, we celebrated like we won the World Cup. It was a team called uh, Tim called Hong Kong Scottish, which I look back uh, at that club really, really fondly. But mm. yeah, that, tough at the time, but invaluable lessons, which I use now. I, I'm big on collaboration and I'm massive on having clarity, even if it dumbs it down to maybe one to two, put dumb downs the wrong word, but even if it brings it down to just one or two key points, what we're trying to achieve mm. Um, is all about the clarity and that can be stemmed back from those those tougher experiences as a as a 23 year old player coach yeah yeah it sounds very similar to to my first coaching experience as well player coach foreign country um you know bit of ego uh not a lot of experience to back up that ego (laughs) um so it's uh, and I, but you know what? Like I, as like similar to what you're saying, they were there were some pretty tough times, some great mm-hmm. times, but some tough times. But I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, I would I would have coached a whole lot differently, but I I wouldn't have known that unless yeah. I went through those kind of Absolutely. rough times and had to reflect and and you know talk to people I knew and trusted. And I I. I think that would be, you know, my advice to any young coach who's mm-hmm. who's saying, "How do I get better?" It's like, 
leave leave from where you are right now go go travel yeah. go go find a rugby club somewhere on the other side of the world yep. where you don't know anyone you don't have any any kind of safety net and just get stuck in yeah you're absolutely right just that going out the comfort zone and yeah if if someone had told me earlier check your ego i probably wouldn't have even understood what that meant you know what i mean because you're like i don't have one you know what yeah, i mean you try yeah. and, while you're, you're like, shouting it at them <laughs> yeah and as it's all it's all in the reflection you know and mm. the one thing i realized actually i knew i wanted to coach and it kind of goes back to doing that level one back when i was 21 22 uh back over in scotland and rock just because you have a bit of paper really doesn't mean you can coach it's it really is time in a saddle and then yeah yeah. And then the qualifications really back that up. Um, and it, yeah, it was just really interesting looking back on that journey going, right, what, why was, why is this important? And you don't learn those lessons unless you do them. You're in the com- out your comfort zone. And I, I look back at those times very, very fondly now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, pretty cool experiences, especially when you're young, your, your life hasn't really started really. Yeah. Like I started coaching, I didn't have kids. Uh, I wasn't married um, at that time, but got married shortly after. But still, so much more time on your hands when you don't have yeah. kids. So, so I was coaching three teams at one time. You know, wow. when when seasons overlapped and things like that with rep coaching and and things like that. So you can really just like put it all in early on, and and then kind of reflect and say, okay, here's what I actually want to do, and I'm just going to focus on that. And, yeah, yeah. You, you're dead right. I had, a, I had a philosophy at the time. It's probably a little bit different now with kids and mortgages and mm. <laughs> real commitments, but yeah. <laughs> if, you get, if you get on a plane and you take a risk, you can always fly back and it yeah. land exactly where you started. You know, yeah, like that's sure. really – really important thing like I, I went for it you know and I when I was younger I was always looking for opportunities I was cold calling I was emailing like give me an opportunity mm. give me an opportunity that's how I ended up in Scotland that's how I ended up in Hong Kong similar to how I ended up in the US like like ask the questions put yourself out there because you know the worst people can say is no you know mm. and again when you tuck that ego away it comes a bit easier to handle when the no's do come but every now and then a yes comes and it's it's pretty powerful and then you make the most of the opportunity once you're there it doesn't have to be the ideal setup just get mm-hmm. a foot in the door foot in the door and then you're and then you're running yeah yeah for sure and uh someone said yes to you and that was yale university so what's uh what's your what's a bit of a description of your role uh at yale university okay so it's morph so when i first a bit of a bit of a backstory how i got over here so i was working over in hong kong for the hong kong rugby union for seven years one with the hong kong scottish uh, rugby club and then also through the the pathways so working with the the under eight 16s 18s 20s um, lucky enough to go to a couple of world trophies with hong kong and i look back on those memories in hong kong really really fondly and the people i work with so it's not the biggest union in the world it's very Mm. small geographically but the resources they had at the time and the coaching caliber what what i had as mentors was just unbelievable like the opportunities i got working there and the people i could mix with was gold but what they were also if you look around you've got they were really ambitious but also let you they wanted you to go away and succeed uh, mm. You look around, there's there's coaches now. You've got Joe Shaw, who's at Saracens. You've got, um, for example, you've got, you've got many you can you can list off. Um, and it was just a chance regarding Yale. It was just a chance conversation. A couple of my mates, um, a couple of other, other coaching officers at the time, 
just came in. I came in probably a little bit later than I, than I should have, but they were having a conversation going, oh, there was this guy from Yale who who was looking to elevate their program. And um, yeah, that was that was quite interesting. And they weren't interested. They didn't want to be coaches. I was like, hang on a minute. Like mm. I I knew enough about Yale and the the kind of brand brand value that Yale has. It's like Harvard Yale, it's Oxford mm. Cambridge, like the big, big names. Um, and also my wife is American. So she wanted and we wanted to actually come over to America. So it was mm. like, well, hang on a minute. So I got there and I was like, tell me. And they go, oh yeah, you're our boss, Lee Jones at the time, who's now with Lesser Tigers. Uh, I went over to Lee and I was like, Lee, who is this guy? I, I really, really need to meet him. And it ended up being a, a Yale alumni called... Philip Lynch, who was the chairman of the Yale Rugby Board at the time. Right. And I managed to get them and meet. It wasn't actually Philip I met first. It was another guy called Bill Nickel, who I met for a coffee. Um, and I was like, look, please tell me more. This is our situation. Would you? I, I'm really, really interested. And they told me about the role. They're looking to to elevate the, the status of the program and fund a full-time coach. Um, ended up going for a breakfast. I remember this vividly. I went for a breakfast meeting with with Philip and Bill at, on one of these beautiful hotels in Hong Kong. I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to get a really good feed here. You know, <laughs> this is going to be excellent. If, <laughs> if, 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 this, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to have a hell of a breakfast. I'm really excited." <laughs> so I ordered the big breakfast, and it turns out um, I was semi prepared, but it turns out it was an interview, like a, right. informal. It wasn't like mm. suit and tie sort of job, but it was like. Mm. They were they were asking they were asking a lot you're, of questions. You're wolfing down the eggs, Benedict. No, I didn't get I didn't get near it. That was the problem. Every time I went for my sausage, it dis- <laughs> I had to answer a question and be full oh, on. So, and they were like, "Oh, okay, we got work now, but thanks very much, great." Um, so yeah, I, I remember that pretty vividly. Um, I never got my uh, five star breakfast I was looking for, oh. but um, from that they invited me out for a um, to actually their alumni weekend. Uh, from hong kong it was like for, so hong kong to us is like or is like a, a good... 16 18 yeah. hour flight along and they were like come out thursday and we'll fly you back on sunday <laughs> i was like all right well i was up for it you know yeah. so i was yeah. like didn't we didn't tell anyone mates this time i didn't want any fake names coming up or anything mm. like so flew out it was alumni weekend went great got to meet the people met the program absolutely loved it came back a few weeks later they rang me up saying look um thanks very much loved what you're about but we're, we're gonna go with someone who's got a little bit more experience with you mm-hmm. uh coaching with you i was like absolutely fine i was 25 at the time i was like absolutely no issues thank you thank you for your time mm-hmm. uh, um and, and then that was that uh and then about six seven months later the phone rings again it was it was philip and i had had his number saved he was like Hey, look, just just gauging your interest. Uh, you know what we did with the men's team. We want to do it with the women's team. Um, would you be Would you be interested? Um, and I was like, look, of course. Again, it all comes down to opportunity, right? I I just mm. wanted to be working over in the US with a great institution and what I learned with great great players and great students and. And it all just again, it went from there. I had I had like uh, another round of interviews, met the players, and then it was the job. I was offered the job, which I gladly accepted in 2015, and uh, I've been here ever since. So I started off with a women's women's head coach whilst assisting the men, and then um, I took over as the both the head coach of the men and the women's, 
when the older coach moved on to to different things and then now it's kind of morphed into the the director of rugby role over here at Yale so kind of overseeing the whole whole program while also doing the hands-on coaching so yeah it's, it's the roles morphed a little bit but it, it all came from that chance I just heard that chance conversation and yeah it's again we talk about sliding doors moments that that was it it's a pretty good one yeah and you know I think that's you're perfectly suited now for the the director of rugby role having coached both teams yep. for several years and experiencing that you know there, there's probably differences in the 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 opposition and the leagues mm-hmm. and and there's definitely differences in in coaching men and women and um you know knowing that and knowing how the facilities work and and yeah. you know the chain of command and all that um that's going to put you in a good advantage to do the role well yeah and what you what you're finding you you touched on it there actually coaching is is a small part of my role right a university is a lot more than just hands-on coaching so when I left Hong Kong I would I look back now and I consider myself a cold face coach I did Mm. my session I planned my session I was a coach uh whereas at Yale you're you're a fundraiser you're a mentor you're a liaison between the university and the alumni board like Mm. you are so much more than just x's and o's uh and that is something I've grown into and grown to love because it really dives down into your admin skills and your communication and your thoughtfulness particularly when you're dealing with people who are like Yale alumni who are very Mm. switched on you know very very switched on and they don't they don't suffer fools so it's Mm. it's really important and I have to be robust in communications and everything and it all translate into being a better coach as well like one of my bigger fears here uh, when I first came over and I didn't really express it massively like I was I was coaching at a pretty decent level um coaching pretty decent players and I was like okay so where what how am I going to fare coaching essentially players who are brand new I thought I thought my coaching um again this is probably ego talking or um just just not really understanding it that I was going to potentially regress as a coach because I wasn't mm. at the cutting edge of of coaching and those coaching conversations we used to have man I couldn't be further away from the truth when I got mm. over here yes the players were extremely inexperienced but what that made me do, and it looks back on my lessons I learned, I had to be really thoughtful with what I did. Mm. So I had to be really like, okay, how am I going to communicate this to someone who's never done this before? Like, you know, back where we're from, when we're lucky, we've got rugby, people have got institutional knowledge, which can be a positive mm. and negative. Like you talk about like, like guys, come on, we've got to get onside. Everyone knows what onside is. Mm. But here it's like, I remember I first said that, right, on, let's get onside. You got people looking at me like I've got five heads. Like, what? Mm. What's on side? You know. And then, and that was a real kind of light bulb moment. How I had to dig really deep into into my clarity and rationale. And I tell you what, it's made me a better coach because I'm more thoughtful with what I'm doing. And um, and then if I apply that at a, at a higher level, um, I think that's that's just only going to strengthen my my skill set. So that that was a great learning experience. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, um, you know, those times where you do get to coach, um, what's your favourite part of the game to coach? And if someone was to come and watch a session, what what, what are they going to see and hear? Right, so if I if I had my own, like, I, I look, I love defence. You know, yeah. I, I love how 
you can stop attacks. I love the, the contact side of it. I love the tackling technique. Like that is the area of the game I I absolutely love. Uh, and with that, to be a decent defense coach, you've got to understand attack, right? You've got mm. to understand what the attack's trying to do. So if you were going to nail me down and go, right, this is, you're going to coach this, what would you like to do? defense and the contact area for sure i just i just get really excited and kind of animated around that area because i just think it's so fun and it's much mm. more uh for me much more enjoyable um kind of setting up um how to stop attack but on the other hand it's, it's really made me a better attack coach because i have to go right how would you break down this defense how would you break down that defense or if they're mm-hmm. doing this and that um so what what i'm big on coming back to your question around if you come to our session first of all i'm big on a flow of a session i think there's got to be a flow to a real clear objective whatever mm-hmm. that might be right we're going to be looking at our playoff and edge okay we're going to look how we're going to get momentum off the edge and we're going to dive down into these skills what's probably a bit more micro how we're going to do that maybe we're going to get the footwork and then it's going to expand back okay how does that go into our shape how do we get from that shape to the next place we're going to go so very big on a clear objective and clarity Mm. and repeating that whilst making sure that the session has a nice flow to it okay so people aren't just standing still there's mm. movement, there's energy, there's a bit of chaos because mm. the game isn't isn't crystal clear. I mean, there's time and a place where you have to really narrow down on a certain thing. But mm. I'm big on how do we put that into a game context? Everything has to be game context in, in what I'm trying to do, particularly because I'm dealing with players specific to my environment that haven't played a lot of rugby. So mm. the more I can put them in, quote-unquote, rugby situations that's only going to help in game situations. Now there could be an argument that can be used at the higher level as well. So big on clarity. Or every level. Yeah, on every level, yeah. <laughs> and obviously the fundamentals. Like, let's not mm. get get away from those fundamentals. But how, how do those fundamentals fit into what we're trying to achieve, which is a clear objective? And that objective is usually, well, often, if not all the time, is a collective this is what we're trying to do. Speak to the coaches, mm. speak to the leaders. Everyone understands what we're trying to do. And another word we also use a lot of phrase is layering on. Okay, mm. now we've got this. We're going to layer on. We're going to layer on. We'll layer on mm. and we'll take our time with that. So I would like to think there's good energy. Uh, there's very clear objectives. And and it looks like a game of rugby. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one for me. Like I kind of... I kind of say to people often, like, if you've got someone watching your session and they're from outer space and they've never seen rugby and then they go and watch the game on the weekend, they should be able to say, oh, yeah, I see that that's, yeah. they're the same thing, just with yeah. slight differences. Whereas you go to some practice, I see this when my kids are being coached in sports that I I don't coach. Yeah. I, I look at it through that lens and say, yeah. okay, like like ice sports, for example, if if they're if someone's watching this and they know nothing about this sport, they're then going to see a game on the weekend and go, oh, they're doing they're doing two different sports there. What's like I don't I don't see the links yeah. there. So I think that's crucial, and I really think as well, you know, being based in Canada, you, you there's so many crossover athletes mm-hmm. that you get in your teams, and and they need that that experience to apply. Like I find that the basketball kids are good, the yep. the, the soccer Absolutely. kids are good, uh, wrestlers obviously with the contact. 
but they've got to have they've got to experience that not just on the weekend but in the the two three yeah. practice sessions during the week to go oh yeah this is like you know uh, a turnover ball in basketball and the space and yeah. and where my support is and those kind of things so i think that's crucial now, I had a big, I had a big light bulb moment around around that. But just just to touch on the point that you said regarding, it's got a it, looking like the sport, you know. And I've been guilty as anyone, particularly back in the day, for sure. Like, oh shit, I better, I better, I better plan a session. You know what I mean? Rugby drills one hundred and one. Oh, mm. that looks like a bit of fun. Yeah. Bang, throw it in, and it doesn't have any context, but it passes mm. the time, you know. And you feel mm. better because you've run a little looks drill. But yeah. Like um, I don't even know rugby drills one one is a is a website. Maybe we should get onto that domain. But <laughs> that sort of thing, like actually try and bring it back and and then touching on the point that you mentioned about um, people playing over sports, particularly here in America, obviously with you mm. in in Canada as well. At first, it was like, oh, okay, this is this is interesting. This is a challenge. But utilizing what they have, skill sets mm. in their other sports can open up so many doors and possibilities and actually get away from, oh, a pass should look like this or a pass yeah. or, or a play should look like this. I remember I was, I was had a, had a 12 um, and he was just unsure that just the messages weren't getting across. And I thought, right, what, how do I get this across? Um, and essentially I just wanted him to be a bit more North South. Okay. He mm. was trying to find spaces on the edges, taking mm. up a lot of room from anyone else. And I was like, be a bit more North South. And then I was like, what sport did you play again? He was like, oh, yeah, I played football, American football. Um, mm. I was like, right, be a running back, okay? Mm. I want you to be a – when you get the ball, I just want you to think about going forward, even if it's the smallest of spaces. And I tell you what, mate, my word, what a change. It yeah. clicked for him. It clicked for me. And that guy, you couldn't stop him going forward. Now, now it was like, okay, now we need to pass yeah. every now and then. But you know <laughs> what I mean? But the objective yeah. and the point being that mm. – Try and harness what they already have and try and put it into language they understand. Yeah. And then you can slowly bring it down to more of the rugby yeah. terminology. But yeah, as I said, running back to him, he was like, oh, easy. It's, done. Yeah, it's a, and that, it's that an was an, a powerful coaching moment. Yeah, it's an analogy that he he already knows what that means. So yeah. you're you're not speaking another language to him and um yeah, that's Absolutely. that's definitely um very early days in the podcast. They had a guy named Mark Upton uh on the podcast and he's He's a specialist in constraints led approach to coaching and the kind of language that you use. And I had Nick Winkleman on as well uh, from the IRFU. He's he's an American who who talks a lot about cueing and and the language that we use that that mm -hmm. we should be focusing on an external cue, not an internal body cue. Mm -hmm. And but what both of those people talked about was the use of analogies and how yes. you know it cuts out all that unnecessary verbiage, gives them context immediately, um, and uh, they can apply that based on that that preconceived knowledge that they have. And I use it a lot with kids as well when I'm coaching yeah. under sixes, under eights, under twelves, my kids. Um, it's it's a very powerful uh, coaching tool. You're right. And it can it can go across all ages. It's like it mm. literally before this podcast, I, I've just started in January uh Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and the yeah. coach there Man, it, it it struck me. As soon as you said that, it struck me. He he said something really cool today. We're in this kind of weird weird shape and we were trying to free your hand and he just used the analogy just put your hand up as if you're asking a question at school 
Mm. And it was just such a little cue. Like, mm. and it, again, like, and I, as a coach, I've really picked up on that about mm. what a brilliant little bit of language and an analogy there that can be used, which is, which is so powerful, you know? So yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Cool. All right. And one more, one more question on you. What's uh, if you're in season, what's your, what's your week look like as director of rugby? Yeah, so what we what we look like uh, if we're in season, so let's start with a Saturday game and work work from there. So play mm. Saturdays, play usually the traditional Ivy League schools or regional schools. Uh, so there's a pretty robust season for both the men and the women. Sunday we give them off um, to do their own recovery, catch up on their school work because you got so mm. you, important things here. You got to you got to understand the environment. It's a very very Student intense. Ah, oh, mm. like student first second and third it's a very mm. very intense academic environment look it's one of the elite colleges in the world like in mm. the world so you've mm. got to be extremely respectful of that so sunday off uh and then on the field for the men is monday wednesday friday in the afternoon and then between that they have their team lifts one to two team lifts a week the women train Tuesday, Thursday, and they also have their two lifts a week um, in the varsity weight room. And particularly on the men's side, how we would break down the week. Monday is analysis and recovery day. So we're out in the field. We set up our TV. Uh, we do analysis from the weekend um, right at the field. And then we go out the, onto the field. So it's our kind of analysis, recovery slash install day. So it's like, right. Mm -hmm we're going to start to install what we're going to do on Saturday, the, the coming Saturday, the next game. And we're going to do that at a low pace. So mm. that, that ticks the, so we've done our analysis, like this is what we've seen. We want to get better. And then we go onto the field. That's part of a recovery whilst installing. So using our mm. time wisely. And then Wednesday we call our intense day. So whatever we installed, we do it under intensity. So that's when we get our contact reps in. I like that. We yeah. get, we'll get it. Whatever, we, yeah, whatever we're trying to do, we're going to nail this. This is We're just going to do it under intensity. And intensity could mean uh, we're going to go live for three sets of five minutes or we're going to mm. make sure that our running meters are really high, depending on what it is. But the heart rate is going to be up and we're going to put, a, put what we're doing under pressure. And then that starts to taper off on a Friday is our what we call rehearsal day. So essentially mm -hmm. just rehearsing for the game tomorrow. So you you know your captain's run, your few last line out hits and mm -hmm. maybe getting the hands through the ball, but nothing too intense. So essentially the week looks like install, intense, rehearsal, play, repeat. So there's nice. there's, there's common themes around that. And that means our planning is usually aligned around those particular days. All right. Oh, that sounds good. I like I like some of the the structure there. That's awesome. Mm. What I find is that the the players like that consistency mm. and then the variation comes within the session. Yeah. Like, so there's a structure but then the sessions could be slightly different but there's an overriding arc like right boys it's intense day we're getting after it, you know, like mm. um in by doing this um obviously while preserving being being conscious of their their player welfare and everything around that. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, um, on to your other role, which is uh, your YouTube channel, The Contact Coach. What 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 was the the motivation to start up that channel uh, in the first place, and and what what's that journey been like so far for you? Great, great question. So it started, I would say, 
<laughs> a month before the COVID pandemic, I was like, right, contact <laughs> coach. So the name is probably it could throw people a little bit, but there is there is reason behind it. So what I wanted to be doing, particularly in this space, I wanted to be helping people get better at tackling, at rocking, uh, in, in essentially the contact area of the game. But also that can branch out to footballers or to to people like to football as a sport, um, American football, or people joining rugby. So really kind of dialing it down into, into the contact area. So that's where the name The Contact Coach was was born so because i wanted to be very um related to what i was trying to do then the pandemic hit okay so Mm. one-on-one coaching all that one-to-one stuff was just simply not going to happen like there was there was social distancing and everything so that kind of threw that out the window but on the on the whole kind of side of this what we haven't really touched on like i've been always pretty big on analysis and mm. using analysis as a tool and watching rugby and, and learning through there. So I always used to create, and I still do create videos, um, which I used to send to the team and just send out very rudimentary screen grab, do a few things on um, just on, on the Mac, just a preview, write a circle, send it out, bit of narration. So I wasn't taking up the player's time, but they could still learn. They could pull up their phone Oh, right. That's a cool jackal, et cetera, et cetera. So because I was not doing anything, Yale University shut down. There was no rugby and there was no rugby in the near future. I was like, all right, I'm going to create one of these videos and I'm going to stick it online. And <laughs> and I was a bit like one online could be a cruel, cruel place, you know, if yeah. it, like, in the comment section of that. But I was like, sod it. I'm going to do it. If only me and my mum watch it, who cares? I'm fine. <laughs> because it's keeping me busy, you know. I'm watching the game, stick it out there, create a video, and man, it blew up. Like the first mm. video blew up, and then it kept every kind of video I kept coming up. It was getting good interaction. The comments were they were nice and they weren't always agreeing with me, which I didn't that I'm totally fine, fine with. Yeah. Absolutely fine. But it allowed a discussion and it was always really respectful, really robust. It was awesome. And so I, it all just started from the COVID pandemic hit. I'm going to stick a video out. I've been doing it anyway. Let's throw it out there. And it went really well. And then it kind of has just snowballed on on YouTube and particularly Instagram where it has been generating mil- millions of views, which kept blowing my mind, like millions of views um, across. And the interaction has just been gold. And it's just made so many opportunities. And, and so far, so good people are really enjoying the content and i'm enjoying the discussion and doing it yeah yeah and that, that first video it's uh super relatable too uh, like for those i'll put the link up uh in the show notes as well to all your all your social media stuff and and also to that first video because um i really liked it it was you know analysis of sam underhill's tackling technique and how you yeah. related it to a bunch of different sports and jujitsu was in there and yeah um uh what were some of the other ones in there, there? was uh there was deadlifting and there. Oh were, yeah, that's right. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. That body uh, position. Hundred meter sprinter. That's right. The... That that I like that 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 back leg that knee driving through. Yeah. So yeah. it was it was really relatable and immediately usable uh, as a coach. If you're not in lockdown, uh, you can look at that and you can you can use that language and apply it straight away. So I think uh, I think it, it goes back to what kind of why I started this podcast as well. There wasn't there wasn't anything out there uh, when mm. I started this podcast. And I think coaches are always on the lookout. Good coaches are always looking for new material. 
Yeah. And when they see stuff like yours, they're, they're going to get something out of every little bit, every little video there. No, and that, and that was it. And actually, yeah, it reminded me of that first video was around the tackle contact, you know, so you could see where my naturally where mm. my head was at. And that was mm. very much analyzing the tackle and yeah just kind of bring in different i think one thing being in america has challenged me to bring different sports into the thinking and not just mm -hmm. the traditional i'm a rugby coach so i'm going to stick with completely rugby you know and there's there's elements that you can steal you can steal from other sports which is gold and i was and what it, what i always try and say is like do not take it too literally right like mm. do not take like a deadlift is not a tackle or a throw down is not but it was all about what does that strike look like because you had some comments going well that would be a spear tackle i'm like look i know like that would be a spear <laughs> tackle but it's all about actually what do you it's how about how do you get your foot close how do you get under mm. the fend how do you and and the, going back to the sprinter in the blocks just driving mm. that leg through so it was like don't take it overly literally what mm. can you steal and add into your into that environment and yeah that was one of my favorite videos and it was the first one and if you ever look at it and it's um it's pretty rudimentary you know it's just it's just cut up it on all software that everyone has on a mac mm. uh, and then what happened from there i i managed to get um some higher end software which really makes videos pop and it kind of moved not necessarily away from like individual instances like a tackle like to broader analysis which you would mm. say it is now breaking down breaking down plays but um i think with the i think what people like and the feedback i received is just the consistency of the of the videos i think people mm. kind of know what they're, they're going to get it's going to give yeah. them ideas and and at the very end of the day it's a, like the, the views are brilliant the the likes are very humbling but what it does at the end of the day it allows me to be watching a lot of rugby and watching <laughs> rugby allows me to be a better coach because you For can sure. see what's going on and and how do i make it relevant so you i'm a big believer you've got to watch rugby and not just highlights you've got mm. to watch games mm. um so even if it goes down to just me and my mom watching it once again all good you know like <laughs> right. i i enjoy doing them but it's it's definitely blown up way bigger than i thought it ever would yeah, I think it's more than just you and your mum watching. So, so that's good. Um, for for coaches out there, what what advice would you give them uh, in terms of when they watch a video that you've done, especially if it's something you know at the higher level, yeah, and you're discussing some shape, uh, yeah. and you know, multi phase attack or or something like that. What's some advice you'd you'd give those coaches um, when they then think to apply it to their their setting? Yeah, don't don't copy paste. Okay, mm. that, that's really important. Remember, a lot of the videos that I'm watching of people who have been like professional athletes who have been doing it for a long time, who have got a lot of time to work on things. That's not necessarily applicable to what I'm doing with my women's team in September when 30% of the team are brand new. So mm. it's like, have a look at it. Okay, what is the common themes what I could take? For, okay, for example, there's this multifaceted shape with moving parts everywhere. Can you dial it down? Okay, what's one key thing that they do really well? Okay, look at their footwork into contact and then kind of build from there. Oh, I like that they had options left and right. Okay, great. Maybe we've laid, and then it comes back to that layering on I spoke about earlier. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've we've had that, for example, just to paint a picture, you're playing off an edge to a forward pod in a narrow head formation. You've got a carrier, you've got an option 
option left, took option right. Okay, that's good. We've started to really nail that. Why don't we put someone back in that chariot position? Now we're going to start working on that pullback pass, you know? So mm. what I always would encourage coaches to do, dial it down to where it's relevant in your environment. Now, if you're doing massive amount of shape with kids, forget it. Get them playing, you know, get them nailing <laughs> the fundamentals. <laughs> yeah, like get them because that, that's only going to make you feel better as it well or worse as a coach when they're not doing it. But it's when they it's can't just, do it. <laughs> yeah, just understand your environment. What mm. can you steal? What can you add? And what can you what can you um yeah add to it? It doesn't have to be completely right. Um mm. so that would be big, big. Don't yeah. just copy paste. Yeah, cool. Hundred percent agree. All right, last last one before we uh, wrap it up with the final four questions. You've also uh, you've been hosting some webinars uh, in the last little while, mm-hmm. inviting coaches on to talk about you know one aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. What what's been the take up of that, and what what have been some of the the cool experiences from being involved in that project? Yeah, no, that that was great. And it, look, it comes down again, really similar. Um, again, if only I watch it. I'm learning, mm. you know what mm. I mean? And then it was like, why why don't we share it for people who are looking for coach education? So on the back of the contact coach and how how well it's been received, um, my network has expanded massively, okay, mm. which is which has been great. So by leveraging those networks, I've managed to to connect with some brilliant coaches. And I mean like guys who who have been there who are kind of doing it now. You've got Jace Ryan who who was with mm. the Crusaders, who's now who's turned the New Zealand forward pack back into a formidable force. You've got Nathan Grave, your Australia defence coach. You've got Dave Aldred, who worked with Johnny Wilkinson, just, just to name mm. a few. So mm. it was just an opportunity to want to connect with them, to learn and lean on, on their experiences and just kind of dial it down and to go, would you be interested in in doing a webinar, uh, which we can we can eventually share with, with the masses you know and they were they were well received i haven't done one for a for a couple of months now uh, i'll be looking to to set that back up but yeah again it just all came about selfishly coach development in my mm. own world mm. but i knew other people would be able to learn from it as well so why not make it make it available and again the more you can talk with these coaches not everything's going to be relevant but what you understand is not essentially what they're saying, it's how they're going about what they're saying, how they're delivering it, and and that I found that really interesting. Uh, Jace Ryan one was was gold. He he used the analogy in a mall around a whitewater rafting and just mm-hmm. going with the flow and and really building that. And again, come back to analogies and just simple clarity like whitewater rafting, building a mall, finding a weak edge, and going with the flow. My word, that is just, and you know he's doing that now with the All Blacks, which is really, really cool. Yeah, um, yeah. And probably some more, I'm sure he didn't share all his uh, trade secrets. But, mm. yep, just a, it was a coach development opportunity. I'm always on the lookout for for where I can learn and why can't I be uh, a vehicle to help other people learn as well. For sure. Cool. And uh, I'll grab the the details for that and put them in the show notes as well for listeners who, who might want to check that out. Right. Yeah, that that's really they're all good, but that I love that one. All right, awesome. All right, well, we always end the show with the same final four questions. When you were a kid growing up in England, who was one of the the first players that really got you got you into the game and that you looked up to and admired? Easiest question of the day, Brian O'Driscoll. My oh, word, what what an absolute 
Oh, what a play, you know, and it yeah. it wasn't one the skill level, but it's how he I will always remember watching that try against the Wallabies for the Lions at the Gabba oh, in yeah. Brisbane, yeah, yeah. where he just cut through and then had the acceleration to go through a pretty formidable Wallabies team. And mm. that that try, I, I watch that every time. I still get goosebumps, man. Like that was just like how he just cut through and went from there. And then the skill set and the vision, how he carried, essentially helped carry a nation, but also how he changed his game as he got older mm. and, and, and and developed. And I, I tell you what, if, I, if there's one guy I could ever... Do you know when you get asked questions, who would you sit in a room? Who would you want to be at dinner with or whatever? Like he would be first on there. Like, and by the looks of it, he looks like a good guy as well, you know. So yeah. in terms of how he played, how he evolved, how he led, um, and I'll never forget mm. that try um for the Lions. My word, what a what a try that was. Yeah, yeah. And he's uh, he's a good follow on social media too. There's always yes. some uh, good content he puts out. Well, maybe I'll hopefully try and nudge the contact coach in front of him, you know? Yeah, you know, yeah. Like there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and what about now? Second question, who are some players you like uh, watching when you're, when you're See, doing a bit of analysis or something like yeah, that? Yeah, like it's really – I wouldn't say like I have – like boy growing up, my Driscoll just stood out there. Like mm. now I'm probably a bit more – I'm very much less partisan than I used to be. Like yeah. I don't really look at Me one well. team. I, yeah. I kind of look at rugby – in general now but look i love watching will jordan i just mm -hmm. think he mm -hmm. he yeah, just how he how he moves how he plays the game his speed his vision you've got Arde Sevilla as well and then you've got like the the big south africans like you've got Khaleesi, how he again leads his nation under all that mm -hmm. pressure then you come over to the north You've got Sexton, who just seems to be getting battered and rolled around, but always gets out. You've got Kaylin Doris. So yeah, I think that's mm. a little bit harder. I think rugby's in a very, very good spot, like in terms of the talent on offer. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's so much. And I think that that's lending itself to a wonderful World Cup because for sure. you've got four or five nations there who can, who can do some damage. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, it's a bit tougher to, to answer that one. But, yeah, there's some good rugby being played right now. Yeah, some good names in that list too. All right, and what about coaches? Third question: Who's a who's a high profile coach that you you like what they're doing and and respect how they go about their, no, their work? Again, I always just kind of look and see. Oh, what elements of them do I like? And you got to remember, this is from very much from the outside looking in. I'm mm. I'm sure how the media portrays coaches is very different to what they are in their in their own environment. No, so, no, look, a, a yeah. classic one is someone like Eddie Jones. You know, who's yeah. who's obviously been he was the god and then vilified and then like he's this task <laughs> he's now a god again in the southern yeah hemisphere. now he's god again parts until, of the southern hemisphere <laughs> yeah until until they uh don't make the playoffs for the world hey, cup and, and hey, lose hey, to the lions hey, you know um but you look at him and you look what he did with a team and his track record and mm. and his his diligence in getting the team winning which he which he did do and maybe there was mm. momentum what was lost and so there's an element about that that drive you look at Borthwick who's who's taken his role apparently he's got major empathy about him and his players and he's again he's just this really analytical guy so that's important you've got Warren Gatland who's meant to be a renowned man manager mm. like making people feel relaxed in their environment uh, you've got Joe Smith who was a detailed guy like 
to the nth degree where do you put your finger when you present a ball mm. so that's that's important so similar to the question you asked earlier around who's your favorite player like i kind of just i like reading about them all and going mm. right what traits could i could i get like what do i like about them you know and mm. what would i do differently so sorry i can't really give you a, a no. direct a direct good. one there but i'm always on the lookout to see what they're doing and also what they're saying and why they're saying it yeah cool all right final question uh who's someone in the grassroots who who deserves some kind of recognition and a shout out for the work they do well i think is his, his recognition is coming on his own accord but I, there's a guy over here in um an american english guy um called richard chadwick who is now the the head coach at life university women's program but he's also mm -hmm. the assistant coach for the rugby atl team and major league rugby he's just started mm -hmm. that role what i love about about rish one he's not he's not afraid to to share his opinion but he's really really diligent in his theory and why and why he does things so he comes very much from a an academic background um and his coaching is very much underpinned with academic theories. And I think mm. that's really, really interesting. Like, so I, I've obviously got my, well, not obviously, but I've got my master's degrees in performance coaching, but I, I would say I'm much more of a field coach um, mm. around that, where I would say Rish, he's, not that he doesn't have feel, but you can feel his theory coming out. And mm. I, I lean on that because it makes me think about, okay, could I be a little bit more diligent in that area? Like, is there is there a rationale behind this? And then mixing mix the two. So I think his trajectory is only going to go up. Um, he's a good guy off the field as well, shall we say. Yeah. Um, always enjoys, yeah, enjoys good, his company. Um, yeah, so keep an eye out for him. I think he's, he's going to go places for sure. And I enjoy watching his success. Awesome. Great way to wrap things up. All right, Craig. Well, it's been awesome having you on the show, mate. Uh, I've really enjoyed uh, chatting and uh, I love what you're doing with the contact coach on YouTube and I don't do much on Instagram, but uh, you know, I'm sure I'm sure it's as awesome as your stuff on, no, I, on I, I uh, tend YouTube. To, yeah, I tend to hang out a bit more on Instagram these days. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, both, both pretty cool. So um, yeah. I enjoy doing it. No, I appreciate, appreciate you coming on the show and uh, thanks for sharing with us. Yeah, thanks for having me and some great questions, mate. Really thought-provoking, thought so uh, thank you. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review via iTunes and keep listening for the next episode. You can also follow us via Twitter at RugbyCoachesCNR or via the website therugbycoachescorner.com. Until next time, keep sharing ideas to make the game better.